Welcome to When's Happy Hour, the podcast. I'm Aileen Cooperman, CEO and co-founder of Betches Media. And I'm Samantha Fishbein, COO and co-founder of Betches Media. And we're your co-hosts. When's Happy Hour, Work Hard So You Can Hardly Work is the name of our new book that we just wrote. In the book, you can discover everything you could possibly need to know about your career. From what not to do when writing an email to how to start your own business. Sammy and I and our third co-founder, Jordana, never went to business school, but by working hard and learning from our mistakes, we were able to build a full-blown media empire and brand with an audience of more than 10 million people. In preparation for our book coming out, we wanted to take the time to speak with some really interesting entrepreneurs from across multiple industries who have similar stories or different ones, and like everything else we do, ask the questions that everyone wants to know but are too afraid to ask out loud. To get an idea of what else you can discover from our book, you can find an excerpt and a link to pre-order at Betches.co slash WHH. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome to the When's Happy Hour podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein, and I am here with Alexa Von Tobel, the founder of LearnVest and New York Times bestselling author of Financially Fearless and a new book that's coming out called Financially Forward. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I've been, I told you, I've been following you for a <laughs> while and just overall very impressed with... I mean, I'm always very impressed when there are women who are high powered in non-female dominated industries. And I feel like you really encapsulate that. Oh, so. You're, so, you're so amazing. Uh, also, I just love this office. This is such a fun office. Thank I'm, you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, it's definitely built for Instagram, not for <laughs> finance. <laughs> I'm sitting next to a full neon donut. It's very cool. Yes. And, the, and a meme wall. And a so, meme wall. Yeah. So... Um, I guess let's just get started. Can you, I guess, give the audience a sense of your background and how you came to start Learn Best? Yep. So I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I now in my kind of um, short history um, have helped touch two startups, um, one that I was an early team member at that sold to Facebook, a second one um, that I founded solo called Learn Best, which was Think Financial Planning for America. And um uh, you know, handful of years later, sold for uh, just under four hundred million dollars, about three hundred and seventy-five-ish million dollars uh, to Northwestern Mutual. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, um, but most importantly, I'm um, also just like a normal person who uh, has all the same uh, everyday struggles. I'm a mom. I have two little kids, uh, which is crazy. Even saying that out loud seems crazy. A three and a half year old and a six month old. Uh, and I deeply, deeply care about bringing just great financial information to America. So, okay, I want to be you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy. That's an insane resume. And she's also really young. For those of you who are, I paid know, her to say that. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> no, <laughs> she did not. So, um, we'll definitely get into all the different aspects of your background. But um, how did you get? It seems like you're really passionate about personal finance. How did you get interested in that? Um, so yeah, so, uh, just pretty simply, to be honest, I graduated from Harvard undergrad and there I was literally zero clue what to do with my wallet. I didn't have how many credit cards to have. I didn't know, should I get dental insurance for my office? Do I need a 401k or an IRA? And I realized just honestly how stupid I was. Um, and I was like, I have so many questions, but I worked in finance. Like it was like totally bananas. And I thought to myself, I wonder if my friends feel this way. So I started asking, like, yeah, and as you nod, well, yeah, they do. I started asking everybody, how do you feel about your wallet? Do you feel like you have good access to information? Do you know where to go? Do you feel like you know how to make good decisions? And 
again, it's not taught in high school or colleges around the country. Most people said no. And I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to go build a platform. Um, LearnBest stood for Learn, Earn, Invest. Um, and it was about, and if you go to LearnBest.com, phenomenally cool content, an active daily newsletter. We just give you like the sort of information you need into your inbox just to be super smart about money. So, uh, yep, the concept was born. I founded it in 2007, dropped out of business school in 2008. And, uh, yeah. It doesn't seem like you need business school. <laughs> um, so how did you, I mean, how did you actually learn all of these things yeah. that you're now teaching everyone else? Yeah. So I, you know, wanted to be like an authentic expert. I was like, I can't sit here and like write about this stuff if I don't get, you know, really good at it. Um, so first, I'd always been like pretty decent at math and, and finance, but I ended up over the last few years, um, I think now, call it five years ago, I became a certified financial planner. So that's kind of like, the, and I like to to call it, it's a kind of like a doctor of money, if you will. It's a multi-day you know, day exam. It's a really, really hard thing to pass. 30% of people pass. And essentially, I became a CFP. I then took every major test that you can take to make sure you're certified. And um, it made me realize how important it was for any of us when you're getting access to an advisor to make sure you have somebody who actually has the designation to give financial advice. I feel like often we go to kind of anybody. Somehow everybody knows a guy, if you will. They're like, oh, I got a guy. It's like my mom's brother's friend in Denver who like yeah. does my money. And you're like, what does that even mean? And I so, also got a guy. <laughs> um, so in short, I kind of just said, um, I'm going to become a financial planner. Um, and then I wrote Financially Fearless, my first book that, um, uh, as you said, was a bestseller. Really just to give anybody access to a basic financial plan you just read it it's like a no-nonsense book you can read it on a beach you can I drank while I wrote it to try to make money like really fun for same people. with this book um, and happy. yeah exactly <laughs> so um so yeah and uh uh just really focused on trying to make money common sense and once you really learn about money it's not that complicated it's just that we don't learn it so that's why it feels so intimidating right it, I always think about like why am I learning I mean there's even like a meme it's like why do I know about like Pythagorean theorem but not about taxes I actually have like shared um it was like uh, I know exactly like how to draw a parallelogram but I I couldn't tell you like how to do my taxes it it doesn't make any sense right taxes I mean that's not like what I mean making a budget is hard enough and then when it's exactly like taxes it's yeah, I honestly, it's a lot. So can you explain what LearnVest is, what the company is, how you make money? Yeah. Um, so uh, at its core, what LearnVest um, did was we literally built a financial financial planning platform where anybody could show up um, for an affordable fee. You could get access to a financial plan. Uh, and then when we got acquired by Northwestern Mutual, so Northwestern Mutual is this, you know, great company. It's in, uh, it's 106 years old, really cares about financial planning, um, and, you know, protecting American families. It's a really beautiful company, um, with a big mission. And anyways, they ended up buying LearnVest. And so our software, so at its core, LearnVest was financial planning software where I could give you, 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 anybody in America a financial plan in about a minute, 45 seconds. So you give us enough data, we can run a full plan and boom, you have it on your phone, it living, living and breathing. And so now it's really cool at Northwestern Mutual is uh, you can get access to a LearnVest financial plan uh, all across the country through their advisors every single day. So Wow. So what's included in the plan? Is it like, like right now, I feel like I'm like, my financial plan yeah, is like my it's budget. Everything. It's really cool. It's literally everything. So it's, um, a financial plan really has, I, I like to call it about six steps. So one, it gets you organized. It shows you where's your money. 
Uh, two, it does this thing called basic security, which is just like, I, I call it the monopoly step. If you can't pass basic security, you're not allowed to do anything else. Um, and essentially what that is, is, you know, help you have no credit card debt, have an emergency savings account, and contribute to retirement. Okay. Ideally, it means be on track for retirement. Um, but then after that, it's things like uh, build for the future. So say for buying a home, having kids, second home, renovations, trips, all the stuff that we get excited about, that we love thinking about. Um, and then there's a big step of the plan that protects you, which is um, we need all different types of insurance uh, from health insurance to auto insurance to home insurance to life insurance. So we help you protect yourself, which is a pretty critical step. Um, and then the final thing is we think about all of your other needs for investing and most importantly, putting the plan in place. So uh, I kind of think of that as the refresh step, which is you actually got to do this stuff. Right. <laughs> it's one yeah. thing to like have somebody tell you the seven things you need to do to get healthy and then you do none of them. Um, so we actually come up with all the ways to help you execute it. Does it actually track your spending? Like is it's there a way to import your credit card yep. transactions? Um, so all of the technology now sits on NorthRushMutual.com, which has, it's fantastic. You literally can see um, your daily spending, your full budget, uh, mobile apps, everything, you know, cutting edge, state of the art, really, really, really cool. Wow. So, so if Northwestern Mutual wanted to pay $375 million <laughs> for it, maybe <laughs> it's worth looking at. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I feel like when it comes to finances, I, it's it's not a very public conversation. Like even amongst friends, I, I personally feel uncomfortable talking about money. I think people are sort of raised to say, oh, you shouldn't talk about how much money you have or how much you make. But the flip side of that is that people then are not knowledgeable. It's sort of one of those topics. Like I think about it like with like freezing your eggs. Like there's certain conversations that are just not easily had. And I think that we, especially women, are often put at a disadvantage because it's not spoken about so i mean let's just start with a conversation i have with people frequently how do you actually make a budget like yeah I, how do you know yeah, I, what I love you should this. save and spend yep yeah. so there's um so it's, it's really simple um it, in again financially fearless my first book um had this as kind of the backbone of it which it's this rule called the 50 20 30 rule i didn't make it up it's a financial planning principle um but essentially let's just pretend that for simplicity's sake, your household, $10,000 a month hits your bank account. Just let's use a good round number. Okay. So 10000 after taxes, after you contribute to your 401k, that's the cash that you bring home, you know, with all your paychecks that hit. So 50, 20, 30. 50% or less of that, so 5000 or less, is what we call your essentials. Roof over your head, transportation to and from work, groceries, utilities. Literally, it's what you yeah. need to live, right? Roof over your head, right? Utilities, yeah. Transportation to and from work, so you yes. can get that paycheck, and then groceries. So that's fifty percent or less. So that kind of gives you a sense of the budget. And the important part is that thirty percent of the cash you take home should be your rent or your mortgage. 30%. So that means if you make ten thousand dollars a month, then your rent should be about three thousand. I sometimes say thirty-five percent to thirty thirty-five hundred would be your your rent. That's the thing that most millennials get wrong is yeah. they don't know how much they can afford to pay in rent. And right. often people get it to be more like 50% of what I'm you just, take home. I'm calculating in my head. I'm like, I am overspending on rent. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Most people are, which is why, again, it's kind of like a good hygiene. So basically, go back to 50, 20, 30. 50% or less goes to your essentials, which about 30% is your, your rent. 
20% goes to the future. So that means of the 10,000, 2,000 a month, you should just be saving. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then 30% or less, so 3,000 or less is your lifestyle. That's eating out, yoga, you know, <laughs> Lululemon, yeah. traveling to Burning Man, whatever it may be. All of the fun things that we want to do, the weddings, the million different directions we get pulled in. But it kind of gives you a sense of like that's a healthy budget. 50% or less is your essentials to live. 20% you're saving every month for things like future kids, babies, etc. And then 30% or less is is for your, your personal fun stuff. So the saving, when you say saving, saving means like for retirement, not for like vacation to the Maldives. It's, it's, it can be all of them, right? Like at any given time, you'll always have retirement as like part of your saving goal. Mm -hmm. So of the 2000, some big portion should go to retirement. But then it's also saving things for like, you want to buy a home one day and you like want to have a child or you're going to the Maldives, which I'd love to go also. (laughs) Yep. Right. Um, So that's exactly why. And I think that, that again, 10,000. 50, 20, 30, 50% or less is your essentials, 20% is the future, and 30% is your lifestyle. The, the purpose there is it's a really simple litmus test. If you're like spending 80% of your money on rent, yeah. as a financial planner, I can just look at you and actually know that you're not going to be healthy. Like you can't structurally get super fit financially if you just aren't able to save anything. So it, it, it's really simple. It's like a, think of it as like a diagnostic test. It's interesting that you're comparing it to like fitness. Yep. I definitely see that analogy in terms Health of like. Health and wealth. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think about like spending similar to like eating a lot of the time. It's very, it's kind of similar. Like you want to, like the way people want to spend, they want to like make that short term choice instead of the long term choice. And it, they really can kind of like work on the same like neurons in your brain in some ways. Um, so, okay. When it comes to saving, so you should be saving 20% of your, of your take home income. So you want to put some towards retirement and some towards like a home, some towards like nebulous future where you might have kids or maybe you already have them. Yep. How do you then allocate your savings? Like, how do you know if you should be investing it or just letting it sit? Yep. So for the most part, for, uh, again, anybody listening to this podcast, for the most part, the most important place for young people to quote unquote invest it's in your retirement account. So if you have a 401k at work, you can put $18,500 away per year. And if you have an IRA, which is you can open anywhere, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity, you name it, uh, it's $5,500. Each person right now that has a 401k at work and anybody can open an IRA, anybody, anywhere um, that has a job and a salary, you can invest. Think about how much money that is, right? So like Uh, call it uh, essentially $25,000 you can be putting away. That's a lot of money. Um, And I think what's important about that is you quickly, or $24,000, you quickly realize um, most people, if you're going to go invest, that's the first place to invest because you get all these benefits. Your company may match your 401k. It's tax advantaged, et cetera. Mm -hmm. What about like having like a savings account that's like attached to your checking? Like I, I, I don't know if this is smart, but I, when I save, I kind of like just let it sit in my savings account that it's like, I, it's attached to my checking account. Like I could always yep. use it if I need to. Yep. I call that lazy savings. Yeah, that's <laughs> me. Right. Cause there's this part of me that's sort of like afraid. I, I have a financial advisor to like yep. help me yep. invest, but um, By the way, good for you. Way to go. Thank you. Like I said, I have a guy. <laughs> Everybody's got a guy. It's that kind of situation. Everybody's got a guy. <laughs> but he's, he's legit, but it's um so, like I'm afraid to like take out of that and then basically 
invest it like I don't know like should I be investing this now or yeah. do I want to like yep keep it so I'm writing yeah. my next book right now called financially forward uh the future of your wallet and it's essentially like every way to leverage technology to make your wallet better because we're all lazy we want shortcuts I'm just as lazy as everybody else I want shortcuts to things um and I interviewed literally dozens of incredible people and said talk to me what's your biggest money tip the wealthiest people that I interviewed, major, major CEOs, major names, every one of them says, just remember to invest. And right. what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think what that means is like, you will never save your way to wealth. You just right. won't. Right. Um, and so, so again, the most important first place for everybody to invest is 18500 in your 401k, 5500 which is $24,000 total that any person can put away for retirement. And that's an investment. Per year. Per year. Right. And that's an investment account, okay? You can go, you basically pick stocks, um, and often like your 401k is picked, you know, for you and you're young, so you can lean into things, generally speaking, like being more aggressive. So if you try to just save, every year our money loses about 3% because of inflation, right? Inflation, roughly speaking, every year is about 3% where you lose. So a dollar today is 97 cents tomorrow. So if, if you're not investing more and getting more than 3%, you're actually losing money. Oh, my God. You just um, motivated me. Well, so you are. Very so effectively. Yeah. Um, so that's the math. So, so the takeaway here is um, I think the smartest, uh, savviest people um, are really, really focused on making sure that you stockpile a ton of money away and then invest it properly. Um, and that's why I really do think people should work with somebody because none of us have enough time and energy to be like full-time stock pickers. Um, that's why I think it's really important to have like a, a true expert in the same way that like you wouldn't try to be your own doctor. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Duh. So we also shouldn't be our own like financial doctor. Okay. So that was my next question. Should you like, do you, do you actually need a financial advisor or can you just go on like E-Trade or whatever else yeah. they have. So for yeah. me, I, I, I really think that um, it's about finding someone that you really like, whether that means you're comfortable with somebody on the phone or if you're comfortable getting somebody um, in person. The most important thing I care about is that you get somebody who is like an objective person. Ideally, they're designated. So they have something like a CFP, CFP, Certified Financial Planner. It's You have to put it next to your name. It's literally CFP um, or the letters. Um, those types of designations are really important. And you can find them everywhere. I mean, they're, they literally range from like Fidelity, Vanguard, Northwestern Mutual, you name them. Um, and I think it's really important that you just find someone who like vibes with you and you kind of want your financial planner to kick your butt a bit. Um, so you want them and, and, and I would say set up standing calls. So whether it's once a quarter, once a month, I talk to my financial planner once a month. Um, and I have one and I am a financial planner. Um, so it's in the same way that like trainers often like to work out with other trainers. Um, you again we're all wired to be lazy ourselves um so it's just nice to have somebody who helps you keep pace and stay focused that definitely makes a lot of sense so no just kind of like you know like glorified gambling on e-trade or fidelity correct, correct. no glorified gambling right. exactly okay yeah that's what i've i've heard it called that but then sometimes i'm just like oh maybe i could just buy a little stock but i think it's not yeah. the best idea um is there a number that you would say people should have saved in their in their like emergency slush fund before yes. they start investing. Yes, yes, yes. Like that you should have on hand. Yes. 
Um, so again, let's go back to that monopoly step. It's called basic financial security. Um, it's something that LearnVest, we like really coined the, the concept of like, ba- what is a level of basic security that every person needs? I don't care if you're 22, 42, uh, 62. Um, basic security means the following three things. No credit card debt. Uh, keep that in mind, I say that with no judgment because most people in America have tons of it. Um, number two, um, the appropriate emergency savings. I'll come back to how big that is. And then the third is that you're contributing as much as possible to retirement. If you're doing those three things, um, you're in good shape. So emergency savings, it's the middle one. Um, if you have a ton of credit card debt, first we want to have you aggressively pay that down because it's really expensive. We all know this. Credit card debt's pretty painful. It's really, really expensive. Yeah, I've forgotten to pay my bill. I'm like, fuck this fee. Like, are you kidding me? It's brutal. Um, And then your your emergency savings account, I call it the Freedom Fund. And what I love about it um, and why I like to think about it, that it literally gives you the freedom to not give a shit. So like anything could happen. You get fired from your job tomorrow. Somebody breaks up with you. Like your car breaks down or like you have a sincere emergency, a health issue. I don't my want dog you, gets sick a lot. I don't want you yeah. worrying about money. Um, I think in those moments, like your world's going to be a bit rocked. Um, you know, I'm dealing often in the world of people having personal crises, family crises, being left at the altar. I mean, not good stuff, right? Um, and the last thing I want you to do in those moments is be like scrambling financially on top of it. So if you're young out there listening and you're like, call it under the age of 30 and um, you have no responsibilities, no, you, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have kids, you're not married. We, we say three months approximately of what the bare minimum, not your fancy life, but like your, your cheap life. <laughs> you're like, okay. you're like ramen life. What does it cost you in a savings account? As you get older um, and have more responsibilities, so let's say you're married and you have somebody else who relies on you or you have a mortgage, we want you to have six months. And here's the kicker. If you actually make over $100,000, then you need nine months because it takes longer. If you lost your job tomorrow, there's not as many 100K jobs lying around. So actually, the higher you get in your career, the bigger job you have, the bigger your earning power is. Actually, the more likely it is that in between jobs, you'll have more like nine months. Wow. So uh, kind of an interesting fact there. But when you're higher earning, you actually need a bigger uh, emergency savings account because it will take you longer to find your next job. This is fascinating. I love that you're giving like real numbers. (laughs) So, okay. So let's say your bare minimum life. Maybe your bare minimum life, does that include with that 20% of savings? So let's say your bare minimum is like... So let's go back to the $10,000 analogy. Your bare minimum life is the 50. Right, right, but maybe it's really like 60 because you still do need to eat sometimes. Well, but remember, no. groceries, groceries are in the 50. So and you're not eating out that month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, if you lost your job tomorrow or something horrific happens, like you can eat groceries every day. It's not right. your best life. I said it's your yeah. mom in life. Um, for me, I like to have a bigger emergency cushion than is like necessary. So I have a family, I have a husband, I have a mortgage, I have two kids. So we have 12 months, like locked away it is just there it is like liquid we have it um and the purpose for that is it's about like if god forbid something goes wrong i'm not like reminding everybody that they can't eat out for 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 six months um you know we want to try to keep our lifestyle similar but again this is like really good basics um so you can live on the ramen life got it okay i have so many questions that that just all sparked how much, um, but just going back to something, is there a hard number that you would say someone, like a single woman, age 30, should have saved? 
or even if you're married, but that you should just have as your money. Yeah. So it, let's just pretend that that single woman makes, call it $100,000 a year. Um, in a perfect world, by the time you're 30, um, we actually at Learn Best like release a ton of good content that's like, by 30, here are the things that you can't do anymore. And it's like, as a 30 year old adult, like, yeah, you need to like have doctors, right? Like, <laughs> like, you know, b- basics, right? Um, you know, I really want to read like, that article. Yeah, right yeah. And, and a few things it was like, by 30, you should have no credit card debt. Like if you made some mistakes in your 20s, like by 30, it's got to be gone. Um, by 30, you need to fully have retirement accounts, a 401k, again, if it's offered at work, and an IRA. The biggest trick to basically retirement is to start in our 20s it's really simple like remember you like we've all heard it like compounding interest is not magic it's math and it works every time so if you start really early and let money compound for decades it does all the work for you and again I'm lazy I'm a super lazy financial planner I'm like you're best friend you're like the least you're like the highest achieving lazy person i've ever um, met so but i but i but i mean it like sincerely which is like i come up with the lowest friction things that i can get people to do that will really materially change your life and in your 20s if you start having emergent uh, uh, emergency savings and retirement savings they just grow they get bigger on your behalf without you having to do much if you don't start for saving for retirement till you're 40 you're fucked yeah, I'm, I'm going to say like you got a lot of catching up to do and it's harder to catch up because you've got 20 years that you've missed. Um, so by 30, those are the sort of things. And, and by 30, your emergency savings account, if you're still single, really should be six months, which like probably looks like thirty-five dollars to $45,000 liquid cash. Okay. And I know that's big numbers. And keep in mind, if you live in like, you know, I'm from Florida. So like if you live in like Jacksonville, Florida, you don't need $35,000. Your cost of living is probably $3,000 per month. We are sitting here in New York City. We're like, you you wake up to $3,000 bills. Yeah. <laughs> like my mom just moved to Florida and the size of the apartment she got or condo or whatever is like the same price as mine, but like six times the size. I'm like, oh, I mean, why literally am I here. Every time I go home, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what this am is I the doing most here? amazing place. I love Florida. Yeah. Floridians, we love you. Right. So, yeah, let's just go back to debt for a second because I'm sure there are some people listening yep. who are like, oh my God, like that yep. bill. Yep. Um, what it, do you have any like straight recommendations to like start getting out of credit card debt? So, a few things I would just say. So, remember that not all debt's created equally. So, there's good debt and there's bad debt. So let's first start with just like the judgment-free zone of like what's good debt oh, yeah. versus bad debt. I don't judge. I love to spend. Um, so so the so good debt is things like your student loans and your mortgage, because there's actually in a mortgage is not considered bad debt because there's an asset behind it: your apartment, your home, whatever it may be. Um, your student debt is also not considered um, bad debt because your brain's behind it, right? The government incentivizes us to try to get educated. So those debt, like, again, they hurt your credit score less. They tend to be less expensive. What's bad debt? Bad debt is two things. Credit cards, because pretty much anything you're spending on credit cards is not an investment. Right. And then it's car loans. So cars, the second you drive them off the lot, they just, like, nosedive depreciate in value. And so it's actually like not really an asset behind a car because over time, you know, it becomes worth $2,000, right? Um, if you wait long enough. So in short, those are the two types of debt. So your question was, how do you get out of credit card debt? Um, I love the like rip the damn bandaid off strategy, which is like you in the same way, like, you know, I'm one of these people who every three months I'm like, okay, square one, like we're going to like 
whole 30 and no yeah. carbs and then I like eat you know I'm that do- person too a donut like it. three days later um but uh for me, the strategy here is like you really need to create in your life um, infrastructure to say, all right, so go through your bills, turn off your cable, like use Netflix. Um, there's so much incredible content streaming on Instagram. It's like you don't need those things. Figure out everything you can shut down. Find $5,000 in your closet. You, We all have stuff in our closet. You can resell on the real reel and the 49,000 other sites that you can do that. Um, and literally then make the biggest credit card payments you can per month. Decide you're not eating out. Tell your two best friends, hey, I'm seriously focusing on saving. I need help. Come over. We're not going out. Bring, you know, Trader Joe wine. Come over. That's what we're doing Too for the next chance. month. And I think that the, the takeaway there is you'll quickly find that, like, first of all, your friends will appreciate it because most people are like, I should be saving more too. Um and I think you also put yourself in a position where uh, the last kind of big trick is pay your credit card off twice a month. So not just one time per month, but um, make a second payment in the middle of the month when you get your second paycheck because credit card debt compounds daily, not weekly, not yearly, not monthly, daily. So an extra payment in the middle of the month, you'll end up saving some amount of extra interest just by sim- simply making an extra payment. Wait, so letting your credit card bill like I, I, I tend to pay my credit card bill like right before it's due. Like I the way I've like set things up is just like I do it right before. But again, I told you I've missed it before and then there's like some crazy fee and then the interest payment on that. But it's like I could have just paid it. Like I could have just done it a day earlier. So I didn't realize that it compounds daily. So does that mean that like every single day that you have a balance your no so first of all if you pay your credit card off in full every month so for me i just i set it up on automatic pay doesn't mean you shouldn't look at your bill just set up on automatic pay so you always pay your bill in full every month that's the simple so here's the simple key to credit scores because it's one of the topics everyone's like how the hell do i manage my credit score really really simple it three things matter don't miss bills don't carry credit card debt so pay your bills off in full every month how do you do that set up automatic payments most importantly make sure you have the money in your bank account to pay them off in right. full every month um and the final one is don't close your oldest credit card those are the three biggest don't close things. it don't close it so meaning like know oh, which of your credit cards is your oldest credit card and keep right. it open the longest because right. it helps you establish the longest line of history is there a number of credit cards that is like that optimal? you should yeah yeah great question um so for me i'm like of the mindset that like fewer is better of everything so um i kind of think of like accounts as like digital children right like right. fewer kids is easier like right. <laughs> says the mom of two yeah. um literally it's just like life's slightly easier when you don't have so many things to keep track of so for me it's like i like to tell people have fewer bank accounts ideally you have like one or two max um including your 401k credit cards you have two or three max um and if you're not sure how many credit cards you have go to annualcreditreport.com it's a free site Uh, it's a government site annualcreditreport.com and literally pull your statements it's free and it'll show you every line of credit that's open in your name and often you'll find like that bloomingdale's card that you opened in college and totally forgot about or the ann taylor card or whatever it may be don't close them all at once. You can only close one a year or without hurting your credit score. Um, but that's how you know. And then in a perfect world, um, I don't like people having lines of credit like just open because with all of the different hacking and issues that we see happen, 
Um, and again, in my book, Financially Forward, I cover this in detail, everything to think about for kind of digital security around your wallet. Um, but you want to make sure that, again, if you have nine credit cards open, those are nine live wires where somebody could be, you know, spending on your behalf if you don't monitor it wow. daily. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, so keep it simple. Yeah. Do you, okay, so, I mean, obviously LearnVest is a platform that's meant to kind of consolidate everything so you can see it really clearly. Right now, the way I'm running my finances is, like, literally Excel spreadsheets. Like, I'm going through my expenses and, like, tracking them and trying to, like, stay on course with my budget for the year. But I really do feel like there's something that I could be doing better. Um, Do you think that, like, how intimately should people be, like, looking at, they're spending like how frequently yeah so I always tell people that you should be logging into your accounts once a day I call it the daily money minute it's just one minute you just quickly look does anything look fishy move on so actually a really good kind of behavioral psychology trick is like literally put your money apps next to Instagram like you open your eyes in the morning you check your email you check your Instagram like put them right there, open them, everything look good, move on. Um, So really straightforward, get alerts set up. So um, I have like an email address that's kind of like Alexis bills at Gmail. And all of my bills go to one place. It allows me to see every statement, anything that's important, all in one place makes life so much easier. Right now, like my typical Gmail account has like a gazillion emails that I'm like constantly struggling to get through. Whereas like, again, just keep it simple. Get really organized. It makes your life so much better. And then actually managing your money kind of becomes fun because it's no longer this like deep anxiety cloud over you. So... Right. It's sort of, I again, to bring back the memes, I remember seeing like this meme recently. It's like, like not checking your bank balance is the adult equivalent of like not checking your grades. And I completely feel that like I get, I, I, I have like a day or two days, let's say like every month where I like look at all my finances and it, it gives me anxiety to think about. And like, I know that I'm like pretty, I'm like doing fine but it still gives me so much anxiety to like think about and to look at you're not alone it's yeah you're not alone and so so again I started learn best I became a financial expert because I was you I was literally you being like ah like I don't want to look at this this isn't fun and then one day I was like all right this is a life skill like at the end of the day it's like you know as first of all just as people like you have to be able to take care of yourself, make a bed, cook a meal, make some pasta, right? Like, right. I was just like, this is a life skill just like anything else, and I'm ripping the Band-Aid off. And what I quickly found is, like, once you get super organized, all of a sudden that chaos, that stress kind of goes away. You're like, all right, I have an email address I look at. I have, I now know exactly how many credit cards and bank accounts I have. Awesome. I can, like, log in and see them. I believe in automating everything. And in my book, Financially Forward, I literally tell you every major life hack that shows you exactly how to get your shit together around your wallet. And I automate everything. So I don't even have to think about it. I literally look just to be like, cool. Right. Like, awesome. I I have some, like, fear around around automatic payments because when I was younger, I would, like, buy something and, like, not realize that it was, like, an automatic payment. And then I would, like, end up getting, like getting charged like so many times and so ever since like I've had a few of those instances when I was younger those are like subscriptions so I don't love signing up for things that they're like just sign up for one month and I like won't forget to shut it off I don't do that ever it's different to be like please pay my Amex bill in full every month right that's true (laughs) that's different right those are my bills and I will say to everybody like it still does not mean you're off the hook to like look at your statement like are there issues so like I bought something on Wayfair and I didn't get refunded and it's just like you have to still look right super simple took 
two minutes to call Wayfair, got my refund. Like those are the, it doesn't mean you're like no longer responsible of like reading your bills. Right. <laughs> it just means that you won't miss payment. Having this conversation, I'm starting to feel like finance is maybe more of like a self-care thing yeah, than really people chalk it up to be. Um, just I'm wondering, this isn't like a technical question, but do you have any thoughts on how like we or you or anyone could sort of like remove some of the stigma around talking about money, especially for women? <laughs> yeah, no, it's so amazing. So I, my first book, uh, which was called Financially Fearless, I literally wanted to call the F word because I was like, we are like wired and designed. Uh, chapter one is called the F word. Um, we are literally designed and wired and raised to all like, Shh, don't talk about money. Like it's not polite. And I'm like, F that. It's the exact opposite. It's like if we don't talk about these things, one, we're never going to get better at them. We're never going to feel good at them. And as a nation, 74% of the country lives paycheck to paycheck. Right. So like this is also why I'm like, why aren't we all, we're all in the same boat. Everyone's super stressed. Why aren't we talking about this? It's not like secretly there's like a handful of millionaires that are your best friends. Like most people are like, yo, also not saving enough and would love help. And what I quickly found was, um, again, first just like ripping the bandaid off and being like, all right, I got to just get my act together. You quickly find that like one, everybody else, I've probably personally talked to 15,000 families or individuals about money. And I always joke, like I can remember like four that have been like, I'm good. I feel so really? good. Yeah. Everyone's like, oops, I made this mistake. I did this wrong. I'm worried. I feel badly. Like I... And there's just so much stress. And so I'm like, you are not alone. Most people feel pretty stressed. Money's kind of weird in that, that it makes people often feel pretty badly about themselves. Because it's this like hard number that is a value and you feel like it defines you. And I feel like there's a lot of shame around money. There's so much shame around money. I mean, I think about like you hear your parents talk about money a certain way. You, you know there's every family every person yeah. has sort of like a different priority and way yeah. that they there, value spending there's this super cool um harvard psychologist um uh, uh who basically is a researcher his name is michael norton and um he basically did this research where he took people who made uh and i'll get the numbers kind of wrong but roughly speaking who would make call it thirty thousand dollars and he'd be like how much do you need to make to feel happy and they'd be like ninety thousand so then he would take people who made ninety thousand and say how much do you need to make to be happy and they'd be like three hundred thousand so then you take people who made three hundred thousand and say how much you need to make to feel happy they'd be like a million took millionaires who make a million a year what do you three million million. (laughs) no and roughly speaking it was what you quickly realize is you always know somebody who has more right and so what is really awesome is to pair that with the other amazing psychology study that says once you make over seventy five thousand dollars your basic needs are met that roof is over your head you can eat you can get to and from basics you're like the, the like fight or flight needs of your life are covered and money after that doesn't make you significantly happier. Um, so it's also like, why are we letting this like be this weird psyche thing that just totally wigs us out? Money like was designed to replace bartering. It's a tool. Like we shouldn't worship yeah. it. We shouldn't ignore it. It's just a tool. I would have like nothing to barter but Instagram captions. Like <laughs> that would literally be my bartering economy. Yeah, it's it's true. I try to remind yeah. myself. I think about that's the seventy five thousand dollars study. I think about that a lot. I mean, running a business, obviously, you know, being somewhat ambitious. I think about that all the time. And it's it's kind of like I'm like, but how is that really possible? I want more. Like I need to buy this 
pair of shoes. Like yeah. it's or or want to save yeah. even. Um, just one last question. So you have two young kids. Yep. And I don't are you. I don't think you're talking to them about money yet. So actually, my three and a half year old is she's a little girl. Her name's Toby. She's just the light of my life. Um, so if you go into Toby's bedroom, Toby has uh, six piggy banks. Um, literally, one is like you know it's like the size of a pumpkin it's huge um and then she has like two medium-sized ones and then like four little ones and very regularly at least a few times a week um like mom come I come home and you know she will have found quarters or pennies and sometimes well she's a little too early for like chores um but basically she understands the big green piggy bank is for college and the smaller the slightly smaller one is for high school and then her like really small ones literally are for like cupcakes and bikes and like you know like her her like pj mask costume that she's obsessed with I want to be Toby (laughs) And no, it's really, and the thing is like money's about habits. That's, I think the kind of core of this is like all of us are bad at money because none of us learned it in school. It's not taught. Um, and the, the thing, the real biggest thing to take away from this is like just start two money habits a month. Simple, like really simple. What's start, an example? So um, one, my two biggest requests after this would be first, just go increase your 401k contributions right away. Okay. And if you have credit card debt, let's get it to zero. Those are the two immediate things for anybody paying attention. But then after that, it would be basic things like make sure that you pay your credit card off in full every month. Make sure you check your credit report once a year. Little habits. And I just put them all on my calendar and I run my finances like I run my social life. I have a green Google calendar for money related things. And it just alerts me all the things I have to do. And I just do them. So set up the reminders, everyone. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, something else is I just feel like it's so, like, people spending is so tied into, like, other things about them. Like, I was watching um, Confessions of a Shopaholic on a plane recently, and I was just, like, watching, like, this is glorifying being a spending addict in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, when you talk to people, you know, like, you see, again, you see memes about how people are just spending their entire paycheck on Seamless or, you know, and they're like, how do people afford these trips to the Maldives and that sort of thing? So it really is an interesting topic. And it feels like you have very much conquered it. Um, one thing yeah. I will just say is like, I am no different than anybody else. I am very much a normal person. And I will say that. You're a little different. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, will, I will say I'm like somebody who just like rolled up my sleeves and learned it. Um, the really cool thing about money, which I like like dug in is it's really the math's not that complicated it's just some basics and kind of once you learn the basics you actually start to feel pretty empowered um the other thing I will say is I'm just like everybody else like I unsubscribe to all the email alerts for my favorite shopping sites like I was down like a goop rabbit hole yesterday like almost buying a couch and I was like we don't need a couch like I'm normal right and I'm like oh I can't do this so I think the takeaway is like unsubscribing like keep those I literally try to keep like all of the big shopping alerts in a different email address because otherwise all of a sudden I'm on Netaporta like I do the same things that everybody else does the number of shopping carts I filled and then just like out of pure fantasy and then abandoned is like I'm I'm honestly I'm proud of myself because I used to spend a lot more and I think I've like over time under come to understand money and like built more like vigilant habits around it but it is not easy you have to really stay on it I have such a basic rule which is I will fill a shopping cart or if there's something I really want 
I have so I will fill the shopping cart and I have to wait 48 hours. And if in 48 hours, the moments pass. That's like, my rule too. So often, 48 hours later, you're like, I don't really need the dress. Like it just, right. you're, you're like, eh, I don't need it. If you're still thinking about it, will you And if like 48 hours it? later, I'm like, I really want it. And like, again, it's like, you know, within my budget, I'm like, great, I can get it. Um, so that's one thing I do. I the do other the thing same is, thing. It's really sh- helped. Yeah. I have a short list on my phone of like the three or four things that like I'm eyeing or I'm interested in. And that way it's like, if you end up with like a two hour window and like you and a friend are walking into stores, like I'm aware of things I need as opposed to just the, like mindless shopping where you walk through and you pick up 10 things. So. Right. Wow. This, this has been an incredible interview. Thanks to you. Not to me. Um, <laughs> you're amazing. Yeah, you're, no, so, you're so fun. Thank you. No, I mean, this is guys. I, you guys should all pick up Alexa's books, financially fearless and financially forward. Just know if, if the books are anything like this conversation, I feel like I've learned so much and I'm like literally about to go do my August expenses. Like (laughs) check them all out. The books are even better because they literally have just pictures and graphs of exactly what you need to do. Yeah. Are there any like examples? It's super, super, literally there's a calendar of like exactly when to buy what, when, because it's the cheapest. So like, like literally how to hack shopping in general. Um, There's a whole chapter on like, the cheapest ways to buy everything that you need to buy um which i had so much fun writing um there's an entire chapter on like exactly where your next dollar should go so it's just a big graph a waterfall that's like if you have an extra ten dollars here's where it should go prioritize based on interest rates and your financial plan so we try to keep it simple and if people want to see how to sign up for LearnVest or check it out. What should they Just go do? to LearnVest.com. LearnVest.com? Okay. Everyone, <laughs> you heard it here probably first or I don't know. <laughs> LearnVest.com. Check out Financially Fearless and Financially Forward. Thank you so much, Alexa. This Thank has been you. I'm obsessed so with you guys. Helpful. You guys are so fun. Thank You're you. Wonderful. It's very mutual. <laughs> Congrats. Thanks. Betches.